Hello, and welcome to another episode of Doorway Chats. Episode number two. I am one of your co-hosts, Liliana, and I am here with my bestie, Emma. And we are here to record an episode where we wanted to talk to you guys about women's confidence and leadership and kind of girls and guys and dynamics that women deal with in the world and maybe other things that Liliana can put into better words. (laughs) So before we do that, we're going to start off with our question of the bye week. And the question is, we'll let Emma answer first. What was the best day of your week over the last two weeks? That is a great question. It's kind of hard during COVID times because it feels like sometimes the days just run into each other. So it really makes you think. But last Saturday, I would say was a pretty great day. I was up nice and early and then um, Matt and I were going to buy a barbecue. So we went and bought a uh, barbecue from someone on Facebook Marketplace And then we went grocery shopping and I love grocery shopping and we went to farm boy instead of the regular grocery store. So that was super exciting. Um, And then we, or Matt test drove a car and we got to see some friends in the evening. So that was really nice. And it just really felt like a nice day where I got to connect with other people, also do some fun things, spend some time outside since it was finally nice weather It was a pretty good day. Not anything too out of the normal, but just a very pleasant day. How about you? I feel like we're so in sync because Saturday was also (laughs) a really good day for me. Um, I started my morning. I did the LLS log challenge and I was super excited to do it because if you register, not only are you supporting a great cause, but also you get an autograph from Ethan Zahn from Survivor Unfortunately, not sponsored by Survivor, but I wish we were. And um, I like shared that I did the challenge on my story and he reshared me. So I just had like a little moment of Instagram girl. (laughs) Yes. Wow. Well, that sounds like a great day. Yeah, it was a great day. I think another great. Yeah, I think another great day last week was Friday. What was Friday? Oh, wait, was it Thursday? When was our event that we attended? Oh. The days blur together, but whatever day, (laughs) Emma and I had the opportunity to go on to a Zoom webinar with, drum roll please. Oh, Abby Wambach. Yes. Um national soccer player to be honest I didn't know too much about her background all I know is that she's married to Glennon Doyle which should (laughs) not define her as a woman (laughs) but (laughs) in this case it's okay because we love both of them exactly and sometimes you find one person through another person and that's okay yes exactly so It was a really interesting session. She talked a lot about women in the workplace and confidence and some of the topics that Emma mentioned we would be talking about earlier. So why don't we start with Emma? What was like one of your biggest takeaways from it? That is a good question. I'm going to open up the notes on my phone because there were a lot of really good things, but there was one thing that really stuck out to me. And it was when she said that 
Um, so they were talking about like, it, was there ever any competition between the women on the women's soccer team? And if that ever caused any like tension or was it always very supportive? And she said that it was never, there was never any tension. It was always very supportive because um, she and everyone on the team, they all actually believed that they were the best in the world at what they did. So they were all very like secure in their role on the team. And when I heard that, I just thought to myself, whoa, that is not that I am anywhere close to the best in the world at anything, but even just like giving yourself credit for something that you're good at or credit where credit is due, I think is so, so hard. And I think that um, obviously all genders experience it, but I think that that's something that's very typical that a lot of women experience. And when I heard her say that, I was like, wow, to actually believe that you are the best and not like need external validation for it and not be, um, you know, like feeling like you are like the power is limited. And like, if there's someone else on the team who's good, then you are like not going to get enough time or that you're not good because someone else is good. Like just realizing your own skill and value on your own, I just think is so hard sometimes and so valuable. And that's a great point about what one of our friends was saying that sometimes women who are in positions of leadership or for lack of a better word, power don't always help other women succeed. And it's not necessarily because they don't want to, but they have struggled this whole time and have this mindset that if I struggled, you should too, or that this is my place and where I belong, mm -hmm. and there's no other room for you. Exactly. kind of relates to my key takeaway, which she talked a little bit about having a seat at the table and some of those statistics around the number of women that are sitting at board meetings or on these like executive roundtables and talking about, oh, yes, a woman can attend and like bring that that seat. And when she said that, she alluded to also just creating your own table, create your own platform. Why are you trying to make yourself belong where like people aren't necessarily maybe asking for you? Create your own cool kids table. That's what I was thinking. Like, why bring a folding chair? Bring a folding table. Those exist. <laughs> I agree. And also like on that point, I think it's hard. Um, something that I've been thinking about a lot recently is kind of like the difference in in like classic female leadership or maybe not female, but feminine leadership versus masculine leadership and kind of the stereotypical traits that accompany those things. So feminine leadership is often associated with the softer skills, like, you know, like empathy and communication and these things. Whereas the, um, the masculine side is more about like negotiating and getting deals done and like, being hard so that people like to drive people forward rather than like um, giving them intrinsic motivation. And so I thought that was really interesting as well, because if you are trying to join a table and you tend towards one of those types of leadership and you're trying to join a table where everyone there tends toward the opposite type of leadership, then it's going to be really hard for you to have your voice heard at the table because there's just like almost blinders on from everyone else. Yes, exactly. I lost my train of thought. 
because I was trying to think of the article that one of our friends sent us about how women can get like cut down in the workplace and then they mm. like can't seem to grow again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that article, that same article, it was a long article and it went into another piece <laughs> that I don't know if you got to this part, but it was kind of about like the limited, like it's almost like a scarcity mindset around female leadership. So, you know, like if you see like a board that's full of all men and then there's one woman on it and you are now vying for a spot on like in a leadership role and there's not a lot of other women, then you are naturally going to be like, okay, there's only, there's only enough room for one woman and that woman needs to be me. So it's like, you are rather than like all the women working to like, like bring each other up. It's like, you are all competing for that single spot because in general, women don't see a lot of themselves reflected in those higher up positions. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's exactly the point about the seat at the table. Like there's only one seat with a woman in it. There's 10 seats total we're only seeing that one seat, but really we should be seeing there are 10 seats. So there's exactly should be 10 opportunities or nine, if you want to keep the other woman there for us to, to be part of that. Right. Right. But I guess the kind of like perception that we have is that only that they're all leadership seats, but only one of them is intended for a, a female leader or for a feminine leader. Exactly. So also thinking about, her conversation and some of the messages that Glennon Doyle has um, sent out as well, like having that confidence in yes, being the best in the world, um, like you said, but also just in general to do what we want to do. I know we've been talking a lot about the patriarchy and I, every (laughs) once in a while something happens, I'm like, Oh, the patriarchy. Like I didn't want to shave my legs the patriarchy is making me (laughs) shave my legs. And I was trying to explain to one of my younger cousins what the patriarchy was. And she was like, that sounds boring. And I said, okay, how many of the teachers at your school are girls? And she said, all of them except for one or two. And I said, and is your principal a girl or a boy? She said, a girl. And then I said, what about the people that are like the superintendent and she said oh that's a boy and I was like that is the patriarchy (laughs) yeah because and then it's like those little girls grew up like seeing like the highest position of powers occupied by a man Mm -hmm. which is fine obviously there should never there shouldn't never be men in leadership but it's just getting to a place where it feels feasible that at any point it could be either a man or a woman or a (laughs) non-man, frankly. (laughs) Yeah. And I think there's an interesting point in that area around like what younger kids are seeing today, what we Mm -hmm. saw versus what younger kids are seeing today. Like at least growing up, I feel like I wasn't really introduced to this type of topic until I really became a member of the workforce. And then it was like, oh, wait, this exists like there's a glass ceiling and I'm gonna have to work harder like that's just ridiculous and I guess that's because like my high school job I worked at the library the majority of the librarians were women and smart people obviously and uh, (laughs) I felt like even the library leadership was women so that was like great role models Mm -hmm. other 
other young women just don't have. Very true. And yeah, it's kind of like, what are we, I guess part of it is like what limitations as we grow up and we like digest information, like knowingly or unknowingly, what are we kind of like priming ourselves to understand when we're an adult and how, how might that limit us? And I think, and I don't know, I don't, I guess, I guess though at the same time, it's not necessarily limiting because I'm thinking like you see the way that a, a woman, like a teacher, that they are like gentle and kind and understanding with you. And a lot of teachers are women, but that's not to say that, you know, someone who works in a leader in the finance industry, for instance, shouldn't be kind and understanding and gentle as well. Like there, I think that's also a big piece that's missing in the world in general is that all leaderships could probably, all leaders, sorry, could probably take on more of like those stereotypical feminine leadership traits and be better because of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that goes hand in hand with the topic of women getting paid. And we don't have to do a deep dive on this right now, but women getting paid less. And it's like, oh, well, they're in these roles that like aren't as important. Like, okay, are you telling me that all of these women who, or it's seen as a women's career in like daycare and pre-K teaching and babysitting, like mm -hmm. that requires so much more emotion than frankly, like being at the top of a firm where, yes, you have to give hard news, hard decisions, but you can say it, you can be blunt, there's not going to be any consequences. No, mm -mm. well, hopefully no employee is going to be screaming, crying, throwing a tantrum at you. So exactly. And are women being paid less because they're doing jobs that deserve to be paid less? Or are they typically or are they just getting paid less? Yeah, and are they getting paid less because the jobs that they're typically occupying are like, for some reason, perceived as less valuable in society, even though right now, like during the pandemic, I feel like that has shed a lot of light on a lot of the flaws in, in that belief, because like, who are the people that we're, we're relying on, like nurses, daycare providers, teachers, those are all the people who like, are holding the world together right now. Yeah, definitely. So I'm just going to circle back on the shaving my legs thing what is something that you do either because of men and the patriarchy or because other women have created this random standard yes that doesn't even exist like maybe men don't even care or yeah care I, if women didn't care I think that's a great question and I have several but I'll say one of them for now and we, maybe we can go back and forth um so first of all I think that I mean, I don't know if I've ever met a female, like friends, family members who doesn't struggle with some sort of body image issue. Like, you know, like everyone I think struggles with it at some point, some people more than others, but there's definitely times where I feel like, oh, I need to like look a certain way to be considered like so like in in our society attractive but then when you think about it I this is something that I've been thinking about a lot recently is that I think that that like the blame for that is often placed on men like oh men want like a thin body or men want this men want that but it's like I feel like if you talk to um a lot of men at least like reasonable ones they don't really think as much about that as as women like to portray and I think a lot of the time it is within the female community that we're like bolstering those beliefs and we're like 
you know, we're, we're like perpetuating the diet culture and the like exercise, like the poor relationship with exercise and poor relationships with food and like wanting our bodies to look a certain way and always needing to change our bodies and needing to like engineer our bodies basically to be like the perfect thing. And that is something that I think that society, like female society likes to blame on men, but that at this point, from my perspective, it seems like that's more something that's uh, originating from the female community. Yeah. And I think very similar for me, especially makeup. Like Mm. I don't like wearing makeup. I just think it's kind of pointless, but will I wear it if we're all going out and like, we're having a fun night out? Yes. But I am not someone who enjoys putting it on, who enjoys the process of picking it out. Like, that's just not my thing. But sometimes I feel like I need to at least put on like some mascara and Mm -hmm. when we go out, because otherwise I'm just going to look barefaced in a group of women who are wearing makeup. But I, I think in university, we did a pretty good job. Like I didn't ever feel like I needed to wear a face full of makeup around like our house Mm -hmm. like our close friends but I do think even at work I'm like I I have done so well over zoom because I don't have to wear makeup because nobody's gonna notice and today for instance I had an important meeting this morning and so I go downstairs I'm wearing my sweatpants and a nice blouse and I have my hair down my nana's like, oh, you look amazing. Like, that's such a nice top. I'm like, thanks. She's like, so are you not going to put on lipstick? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm like, this is on Zoom, man. Like, no, I'm not going to put on lipstick. And I didn't put on lipstick. I stand my ground because I haven't been wearing it the last year. And I really hope that when I go back into the office, I feel confident enough to keep that up. But mm-hmm. we'll see. I mean, everyone's going to be seeing me for the first time in a year and a half. So <laughs> I might want to yeah. make some foundation. But <laughs> again, is that is that because of me? Or is that just because I feel like people will be like, oh, she went into the office looking so disheveled because she didn't even wear makeup. Yeah, I totally agree. And like, I'm on the same page about makeup. Like, I owned like one tube of mascara at the beginning of the pandemic. And I haven't opened it since then. And I think it's all dried up. And It's like, but I think it's more of like the self-consciousness that I would feel if I didn't wear makeup around a group of women that were wearing makeup, because like you're saying, I would feel like they're thinking like, oh, what the heck? Like, she's not very put together if she can't even put on some mascara to come to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was going to say another one that um, I don't really know who this, who I feel pressured to do this by. I think it's just like, keeping everyone around me in general comfortable but like when you're like in class or you're out or even like if you're hanging out with like certain groups of friends that you're not as close with um if you have to like get out a feminine hygiene product I am often tempted to hide it and like to to like slide it up my sleeve or to quickly put it in my pocket or whatever and I just think that's like it's it's hard to make myself not do it but it's ridiculous that we all do that or a lot of us do it because like most females are experiencing periods and we all use the same types of stuff and we shouldn't be ashamed of it yet we're like all trying to make whether it's like the males in the room or just anybody else who's in the room we're trying to make those people more 
comfortable by not letting them see it, I guess. Yeah, that's so true. And even like wrapping it so that in the garbage, you like can't tell that you used a product. Like why? It's the garbage can. If anyone's looking inside that, they're looking for that information. (laughs) Exactly. And like, maybe they're the weirdo. They're looking in another person's garbage can. True. There you go. I think that's even a good point because I'm self-conscious if I'm at a restaurant and like my purse is on the other like extra chair that's at the table, I won't want to grab my purse to go to the bathroom because I'm like, then everybody will know. Everybody will know because I'm taking my purse to the bathroom and otherwise, why would I take my purse to the bathroom? Like why I should never have that thought. I should just be able exactly. to take my purse to the bathroom freely. Maybe I want to use my phone in there for a little while. Okay. <laughs> I'm sick of you people. <laughs> exactly. And like, it should be like, even if they do know who cares, because it's a normal thing, but there's for some reason, like so much weird shame around periods. And like, it has to be like hush hush. And well, I don't think it has to be like that, but it, it often is like that. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel like, and maybe specifically on the topic of periods, but can move away from that after, like, how is, is this TMI? Like, how is Matt with it? Well, he doesn't have any sisters. So it's like all, uh, I guess, very new to him. But I mean, he, I would say he's also like, just not good with like, anything kind of like medical bodily, like any you know like any yeah anything related yeah like he's just like whether it was a period or it was like my arm was bleeding he is just not good with like that type of thing so anyways but he's very like like he knows a lot of stuff because I tell him and he's willing to listen and he's willing to learn about it and stuff and even if maybe like it makes him a little bit queasy sometimes to think about um he like makes a real real effort to learn about it and I guess I don't know if like like how is Brandon like I don't know if that is typical of other guys our age yeah I think that's normal it's not that he doesn't want to hear anything about it he just would prefer not to know the gory details I guess (laughs) but actually the other day he really surprised me he texted me he was like I know this is completely random but we should probably get married on a day where you don't have your period so that you're not in excruciating pain. And That's I was, so sweet. You know That's actually really thoughtful. Like he probably found it on the internet or something, but he took the time to send it to me. I was like, that's true. If I could plan it better then definitely when we book our <laughs> wedding day three years in advance, hopefully, then <laughs> I'll take that into consideration. Yeah, that's very sweet and very like, um, you know, considerate and like connecting the dots. That's how it should be. We should plan. Mm -hmm. We should be allowed to plan things. I should not have to go into work. Yes, agreed. It should be like a sick day. I understand, though, that it's like every month that would kind of be a burden on society. If like every woman was like, we can't work for two, three days a month. But what would be the big deal with like, now that we've had COVID and everyone, like most people who are in like corporate administrative office jobs know that they can work from home. So what would be the big deal with like continuing to have a flexible work schedule that would at least allow you to like 
work from home in your track pants when you're at your time of the month. Yeah, exactly. And we will do another episode later about the pink tax and Mm -hmm. that's going to require some extra research, but trust us, we're going to get some super expert facts. So you just wait. Coming in hot. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yes. Yeah. Cause I feel like this is a topic we could continue down for ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Just to spin the topic a little bit. What were some old wives tales about relationships that you had before you got into one? That's a great question. I was just thinking about this the other day. I think that one that I had was that like, um, you should be like pretty close to being on the same page or in agreement or like just in a good place, like all the time, if the relationship is quote unquote meant to be. And um, that is something that I think is just terrible advice. It's a terrible like image in society because I think that every relationship has hurdles and has issues. And I mean, in my opinion, a relationship should not be all work, but there's definitely work involved, I think, in every relationship. And I think that there's like a bit of a tendency. And I also think that this is perhaps something that girls like do to themselves somewhat. I think there's a bit of a tendency to like not want to talk about um, challenges that come up in relationships. And I, I think that's not very healthy because it, it gives us all this impression that like, you know, if we get into a fight with our partner that, oh my gosh, like maybe there's something really wrong with our relationship, even though in my opinion, fights and disagreements and like, not being not seeing eye to eye that's completely normal and it should happen in a relationship that where you're like challenging each other and you know like moving forward productively Mm -hmm. yeah I agree with that I think there was one time where I think it was a girl she posted on social media and it was like her and her significant other's anniversary and she posted this whole paragraph about how through the good times and the bad and included a whole part about the bad and when I read it I was like why would you post this on social media like you're just basically sharing all of your fights with the world but I think she kind of was going in the right direction that we should be allowed to say like oh yeah you know what actually I asked for something super unreasonable the other day and we got into an argument and I was wrong, but whatever, like we moved on, like just that's going to happen because you disagree. I mean, you disagree with everyone. You disagree with your friends. You disagree with your parents. Exactly. I mean, maybe you don't want to get into as many screaming and yelling matches with your, with your boyfriend or your significant other as like I get into with my parents, but, (laughs) (laughs) but it's all in theory, it's all out of love and just out of wanting what's best for the other person. Exactly. And you yeah. just become eye, to, become eye to eye on that. Exactly. And I mean, in my opinion, like, oftentimes out of arguments comes like a realization of like, oh, like now I understand my needs or like, like his needs better. And now like, we've learned something about each other from this and we can use it in the future. And it just seems like sometimes there's like a hesitancy to discuss 
um, any sort of challenges or road bumps in relationships because it's like, oh, you're having problems. Well, maybe the relationship is bad. But I feel like maybe a lack of problems can also show like almost a lack of caring or like you're apathetic to the to the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that goes so well with the cancel culture that's happening right now. I feel like if a friend who's single but like starting to see someone shares a problem with them, I'm like, oh, douchebag, like just get rid of that. You're not even together yet or like officially together yet. But that shouldn't necessarily be the case because if you're in an argument beforehand, then that's kind of a good indicator of how it's going to go later on and how you're going to react in those situations. Right. I feel like I'm pretty bad with bringing up stuff from the past, not necessarily only in my like relationship with Brandon, but also just friendships in general. I'll like be like, Oh, but you know what? That same person wronged me in a similar situation (laughs) eight years and two months ago, and I will forever (laughs) hold it against them. Every time something like this comes up, So it's hard for me to say forgive and forget. I think it's, I'm kind of on the side of forgive, but remember, because if it happens too much, then like, that's where, you know, if you're having the same argument over and over again, obviously there's something wrong. Exactly. But I know I agree. I recently had to tell Brandon, like he, he said something that I like continued to do that annoyed him. And I was like, just keep calling me out because otherwise I'm not going to realize. And like, I feel like I also play the victim a lot where I'm like, oh yeah, but now you're mad at me. Like, I don't want you to be mad at me. No, like, stop. Just love me. Like, do you love me? And I like make him say a million times that he loves me. He's like, okay, I love you, but I don't want to tell you that I love you right now when you're just crying and bothering me. Right, because it's like doing the same thing, and then you're the victim, and then you like guilt them into like forgiving you, and like you want them to go back to like being affectionate. So, (laughs) so you try to speed the process along, but then it's like if the roles were reversed, it's like sometimes, sometimes I just want to be mad for a little while, and then I'll be fine afterwards. And but it is hard, like being the person who someone is mad at. It's so like. I'm the same way. Like, it's so hard. Like, I'll keep checking in. Like, how are you doing now? And like, are you okay? Like, is there anything I can do? And it's like, that is super annoying. And I shouldn't do it because like, Matt deserves the time that I get to like, you know, like have some quiet time or like whatever, move on. He deserves the same thing, but I don't know, maybe we must have that in common because I find that hard as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, you can't walk away from me right now. We can't stop talking about this. I'm not going to be able to just sit here and wait for you. So yeah, similar. Like, I guess if I say that I need space, then, and he gives that to me, then I should be doing the same, but. Right. Sorry, Brandon. I'm just, (laughs) I'm hard headed. No, I agree. And I think like something in what you just said is like, you want to keep talking about it right then. And he wants to like walk away and maybe come back to it or whatever. Um, like we are the same way in that I want to like figure out the whole issue start to finish right now. And then I want to be over and we move on. Um, Whereas like sometimes Matt would rather like not talk about it until the next, like go to bed and like sleep on it and cool down and then just like kind of 
you know, like make up the next morning and move on. Whereas in my mind, it's like, no, that's not going to work. We have to discuss every, like every single detail and work it all out. But I don't think, I don't think either like way is right or wrong, but I think that there is some value in like not getting so deep into it because sometimes that can just lead to more damage or like more disagreements. Yeah. You're just digging a hole when you try to follow the quote, that's like, never go to sleep angry. Oh, like, okay. I, I understand maybe where that could be good for someone, but just thinking about that, I feel like I have that ingrained in me and it's not a good thing because maybe if you go to sleep, you'll not dig yourself into a deeper hole and like say things that you don't mean just because you're getting deeper into the conversation than you should be. Right. Exactly. And then, yeah. And I mean, it's not ever a good thing to keep getting deeper into an argument like before bed, like never go to bed angry. If you're trying (laughs) to hash it out before bed, it could be two in the morning all of a sudden. Yeah. And we just recently read an article, I don't really know how scientific it actually was, that folks who are married get more REM sleep than when you're not. single? Yeah. Which is interesting. So I thought it was interesting because what they said was sleep helps um, form memories and regulate emotions. So mm. maybe our approach to like not sleeping on it is totally wrong because if sleep does those things and like regulates your emotions, right? Then you should you should actually be able to wake up in the morning refreshed. Right. Right. Yes, for sure. And I think there's this um, couple who are, they're like, they, they're relationship researchers. And there's this, well, I think that this might be a more general term, like in psychology, based on some of the podcasts I've listened to, but there's this thing called the amygdala hijack. And it's like the amygdala is the part of your brain that lights up when you are in like in danger or being threatened evolutionarily. So it would light up, you know, if like you're a caveman, you'd be, you were being chased by an animal. But today, like what that looks like is it lights up when you're having a, a fight with your partner or you're getting like criticism at work from your boss. And then you respond from the amygdala part of your brain. And it's like your entire reaction is being hijacked by your amygdala. So, but this couple, their names are uh, doctors, Julie and John Gottman. They research relationships and they found that if you wait 35 minutes then the amygdala kind of like I don't really know how the brain works but it basically like cools down so you can respond from like a more level place rather than from your amygdala from this like fight or flight place so I guess that could also go with sleep because you're really like letting yourself cool down essentially so that you can respond in a more grounded way the next morning oh yeah that's the scientific answer compared to my answer which is if I was married I would probably be getting more sleep or be able to sleep when he's angry because I know we're married now. You're stuck with me. You can't me. go anywhere. You can't go anywhere. <laughs> Sucks to suck. <laughs> Take the couch if you want it, but it's going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> Get the most uncomfortable couch. Uh, yeah. No, but I mean, that's like part of it too is like, I guess you, 
and I guess you can know this even if you're not married, but it's like um, the person that you're with, if you know that they love you and that like an argument isn't going to break you up, like you can work through things, then, then you know that you can go to bed angry because you're not like in danger of your relationship ending. Yeah. And I wonder if that relates to women's confidence and maybe our, for lack of better words, fighting style compared to men, because like, I mean, I feel like I can say I'm pretty confident in my relationship and like that it's gone well and it's going well are going to go well, but like part of me is scared. Every That's why I play the victim because it's really hard for somebody to be mad at us and that's not to say that I'm not confident in saying that I'm confident, but maybe subconsciously, like that's just something we as women do. So we're going to post a little Instagram story with a poll about if you are willing to go to sleep when angry, would love to get your thoughts. And also please only answer if you're a woman, this is very scientific research very. That needs to be done. Maybe we can actually do one story that's for women and one story that's for men. Perfect. And, and then compare. We'll see the difference. Get even more rigorous. Yes. <laughs> also, just putting this out there that I think, um, so I think we talked about this briefly in our last podcast, but the first book for our book club is The Vagina Bible, and we're going to be talking about that on an upcoming episode. But if anyone has any recommendations for a book about relationships, I feel like that could also be a really interesting route for us to go for book club, like kind of along the lines of what we're talking about right now. Yes, definitely. And I'll also just make a note, if it could be a book that's a little bit more storytelling. Yes. And not too sciencey because I didn't take a science class past the 10th grade. So I literally know nothing. I know what the amygdala is because of psychology, but that's pretty much the extent of my knowledge is about the brain. Like mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell and hippocampus because you go to campus to study. That's the memory part of your brain. So right. that's all I know. But about yes. science. We Agreed. Anecdotal, so anecdotal books. Definitely. But if it could be like anecdotal yet still fact-based yes this is a lot of criteria non-fiction <laughs> non-fiction um yeah anything else like maybe the book cover can only be purple <laughs> perfect or blue just or blue that's the color of the sky it's a beautiful color mm, i agree yeah so if anyone has a book that meets those exact criteria we would love to hear about it <laughs> yeah so anyways, I think this is a good time to close out episode number two. I agree. Any parting words, Emma? Oh, man. I feel like I still have lots of thoughts running around in my head, but um, I think that they are well suited for some of the topics that we have coming up, like the pink packs and um, like a deeper dive on relationships, uh, the vagina Bible episode. I think there's lots of stuff to talk about, so I won't get into any more of it now. But yeah, I would love to actually, if if um, people would care to do so, provide some feedback like in the comments of our Instagram post that accompanies this episode, because I'd love to hear your thoughts on some of these topics and kind of get a little bit more of a discussion going. And also if you have any questions that 
you'd like us to ponder in our upcoming episodes. I'd love to hear those as well. Mm -hmm, definitely. Submit the topics that you would like to hear about first, and we can do a little bit more research and get back to you on when we can release that. Yes. Um, but otherwise, thanks everyone for another great morning, afternoon, evening of doorway chatting. We also need a name for our fans. I know we're asking a lot of you on our social media right now. If you have a name for our fans, you can email it to us at doorwaychatspod at gmail.com. And we would love to hear it. So we have a name for our fans. Yeah. Anyways, have a great evening. And just remember, bring your own damn table. Bring a table. And also Stop subscribe. Share. And also, yes, like, comment, subscribe, whatever you can do. Woo!